PC Kathy Bradford has been back on the beat thanks to the drama channel and a whole new generation of Bill fans have taken to social media to share their thoughts on this complex character. And at the same time, the phenomenal actor who played her was giving another brilliant performance of The Cobbles. I'm fascinated to know what my special guest today, a very clever human being, makes of her two superb creations. Ladies and gents, raise the roof for the mighty Connie Hyde. Connie, welcome to the Bill Podcast. <laughs> That's all, only going to be a disappointment now. Oh, no. Not at all. <laughs> oh, it's, oh, I'm delighted to have you on the show. And uh, I, I thought it would be nice to start off when, when this podcast releases on SoundCloud. It will be Coronation Street's 60th year on television. Oh, will it? Oh, how incredible. How incredible. I mean, it's an institution, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know. Is it the longest running soap in the world? Absolutely. Is it? Yeah. Got to be, hasn't it? Yeah. Oh, amazing. How proud are you to be part of that legacy? Oh, I, you know, it was my, well, I say the dream job, but I was brought, it was it part of my DNA, Oliver. I mean, it was, oh. you know, it was just, I went up for it three times, actually, before. Really? So over the, over the oh. 30 years of being an actor, I've been, you know, up for it a few times as a Northern actor. And uh, and it's weird because quite a lot of the actors in it do the same. You know, we all audition a few times. And, it, and actually, when you get the role, you realise why you didn't get the other ones, you know, because right. it, it, it's a perfect fit in a way. So Sally's sister and uh, felt very much a perfect fit for me at the time. So you're kind of glad you didn't get the others, you know. Cause, right. uh, I find it extraordinary that... I mean, you're, I'll say it from the off. You're a fantastic actor. I, I, I find oh, it, you know, extraordinary. Oh, that's but you, very but, kind. Well, it's true. I mean, you're, it, I always find it extraordinary when I hear that you guys still have to audition for stuff and that these things aren't just, well, let's get Connie Hyde. You know, what? What is, is that naivety oh, on my no. part? Or, or is it? Is it? do they really, it sounds like they took a lot of care if they've seen you for different roles to make sure they've got the right fit for that, for that actor. Oh, I think they do. And and there are so many, I think there are very, very few actors and it's, you know, tiny percentage that can pick their own parts and audition. And that must be a lovely position to be in. But for most of us, we, you know, it's, it's, you're in there against other fantastic actors. And, and to be honest, I'm nearly, coming up to a big birthday soon 49 and um, you know (laughs) you know that everyone in the I know that everyone in that room auditioning the same as me can do it uh we're all the same really Mm. uh we're all the same age we've been doing it for or we wouldn't have been doing it for 30 years so it literally is down to luck because you know there's not much difference between the talent really Mm. I I I did Straight out of uni, I did work experience on Corrie back in 2007. And I I remember that amazing feeling in the canteen of everywhere you looked, there was like this iconic person, you know, wherever you looked. Well, it's like, yes, there's no, it's like no other job though, isn't it, Oliver? Because I've never experienced that before. And I've worked with some fantastic, you know, big actors, but 
there's something about walking into the Rovers yeah. and just looking around and seeing, you know, Bob and Knox and oh, Ken yeah. and these incredible actors. Yeah, they're almost godlike, aren't they? You know, we're not sort of, and, and, and you have to pinch yourself and that you're in the same room. At the end of my little week, I, I bought some quality street for the production team and quality street for the actors to say thank you for having me. And bless her, Julie Hesman-Holch personally came out onto the set to find me to personally say thank you for the chocolates and had I had a good time. She went out of Did her way. She? Yeah, In what, uh, it was And a... she's my oldest best friend. Did you know that? Oh, how magic. And that is why, because she is beautiful. That does not surprise me at all. We were best women at each other's wedding, and oh. we've known each other since we were 14. Wow. Yeah, so isn't that funny, small world? She oh. is absolutely beautiful, and I'm so glad she's done. She's one of the people that you go, there is a God. Thank mm. God she's done so brilliantly, because the passion uh, she has and the politics she she's the sort of person you know that needs to be in the public eye because she does everything for the right reasons you know yeah yeah i'm fascinated by the acting process so i'm gonna go a bit granular here if if you bear with me but i i think you're the very very best i've ever seen at playing a character who can lie so convincingly (laughs) oh that's a skill how, how do you work on that? Is that from people watching? Where do you find the inspiration? And that applies not just to Kathy, but to Gina as well. You know, when, when she when she hides that mobile phone and then ends up getting arrested. And you play it so well when you deny <laughs> that you've done anything to it. You know, that, that, I think you're very, very clever at doing that. I, I think you believe it yourself. This is, the, the thing is with Kathy Bradford, I'm such a... You see, I'm, I run a million miles from conflicts. I'm such a, a coward in real life <laughs> that when you get to play someone that dark, yeah. it's, oh, it's an absolute gift and a joy. And I suppose I do try and look at the darkness in characters. And Kathy especially was very dark. But mm. having said that, you know, if, if you're playing Hitler, you've got to find something to love. But there is a, you know, there is a reason why they behave in the way they do. And so for me, research is, is really important. So I looked into bipolar for Gina a lot. Mm. I worked with the Bipolar Association when I first started. And Kathy had Munchausen, which mm. is a fascinating disorder, you know. So I think it's very important to get that right, make it believable, really. Yeah, because it's a big responsibility for you, isn't it? You're portraying these people and to, to do it truthfully and for the writers of course but but that, yeah do, do you feel a responsibility on your shoulders when when you take on a character like that and think well I've I've got to get this right because I'm I mean that's what Corey has been so good at over the and indeed when the bill was on it is actually highlighting issues for the people at home and you're representing a large part of the population who are going through this every day so it must must be a lot on your on your minds you know to get that right well it is a responsibility of care and it it is weird with some somebody like Gina where I think people with bipolar especially it can be too much to begin with that's the whole point people can walk into a room and be technicolor 
You know, mm. you meet those characters, and they're absolutely telling. And they're in your face, and they're, you know, you sort of back away from them. So I think I had mixed reaction, especially when sort of we, we brought in the bipolar hyper. Um, mm. Is it too much? But actually, what the, the research I did, that's exactly, it is too much. <laughs> it's yeah. too much for people. That's what's a little bit off about it. You know, it's not normal behavior. It's mm. uh, hyper behavior. And then, then people would disappear for days on end, you know, mm. and have that huge drop. So it's those extremes of emotion, which in bipolar must be impossible to, for people to live with, you know, must mm. be so very difficult. Were you aware while you were like crafting this character in Corrie that the drama channel were repeating your episodes of The Bill? Were you aware that both of these characters were actually being seen on tv again at the same time no <laughs> until i started getting recognized again of course i was sort of just going you it, can have a selfie presuming it was coronation street and then more and more people <laughs> were saying oh no it's the bill and actually young people as well so that that's brilliant isn't it yeah, you know that they yeah. both come out but you know that's a fortuitous they came out together yeah and Whilst they are totally different characters, do you feel there is a kind of dotted line between the characters of Kathy and Gina? But, but did the bill lead to you being considered for Gina, do you think? I think it's so long ago, 15 years ago. I don't know. I think I'm drawn to complicated characters like that. So I would, if I had a choice, I would play people like that. So maybe I'm more comfortable in that sense, you know, when I had the screen test. Maybe mm. that came across. I don't know. Maybe they, you, you never know, you know, who, who gives you the gig in the end. <laughs> You're currently not playing Gina. You've left the street for now. Hopefully they've mm-hmm. left left the door open for you to return. Yeah, yeah, they she got, have. Yep. She, she got her redemption, didn't she? You know, she, she went out doing a good thing. She was, um, she's an innocent. She's one of life's innocents, Gina. Unfortunately, she doesn't have a, a break in her head. You know, she just she acts completely mm. impulsively and that um gets her in trouble you know but really there's not a bad bone in her body she doesn't intend to do things she just mm. does things and then afterward goes oh oh and then regrets it but she absolutely i, I thought they play i thought the writers did so be- wrote it so beautifully because that relationship with with her and her sister she adores her sister she mm. adores sally that is so it's such a complex relationship and um uh she'd never do anything on purpose to hurt sally whereas kathy would go out to do that you know in the bill what i liked i used to love it she almost said if i had a mustache i'd be twirling it you know i would i used to love to just get in you know and actually of course moya brady who's now in Hollyoaks, being a murderer um i used to get her against the fence and pick her up by her feet and you know i used to love all that because i say i'm the biggest coward going so (laughs) but gina was very different virginia was very vulnerable you know and uh I really felt for her a lot, you know, getting it all wrong all the time. Is there a period of adjustment for you as as the human being in all this, away from the fiction and the creation? Is there a period of adjustment when you stop playing a, a regular character, as you've done twice now after like a good two year stint? Is there a period of adjustment for you when, you, you know, the routines change, doesn't it? You're so immersed in something for two years and then when that stops... Do you acclimatise to that? Because there's no real training for that kind of 
impact on your brain, is there, you know? No, when you're right, Oliver, that is hard, I think. That is one of the challenges. Um, unless you go straight into another job, which you can be very lucky and do. But I, my favourite word, I don't know if you know the word ma, which is in Ooh. Japanese gardens, actually. It means the space between the plants are just as important as, as the plants themselves. Oh, wow. So actually, for me, and it can be, and it translates through life, philosophy, it can be in music, in life, you know. And so for me, the space between jobs, to be honest, Oliver, is, is quite important to me to get your strength back and and settle. Mm. So I do a lot. Of, I do a lot of gardening, weirdly enough. I've got an allotment. So I like to come back off a job and 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 try and try and settle and get strong for the next job because there is a time yeah to think yeah have that ma time it's a beautiful word isn't it it is a lovely word mm, ma ma yeah and it's uh, it's true isn't it because mm. just always looking on to the next thing and actually not being present in the space yeah let's mm. do more b mm. and and yeah. is, do you think is there still a period of adjustment for the business itself, I mean, I've spoken to so many legends from the bill who have either been lucky enough to go straight into another job or they've been told, well, you, you can't do another telly for six months because you're X, Y, Z from the bill. Does that still exist today? That kind of not not typecast, but just the rules of engagement for actors on TV when they've left a, a long running soap or series? You know, is there... Is that still a thing today? Well, do you know, it, it seems to vary so much, doesn't it? It does seem sometimes... I mean, I'm not I, I'm not of that side, producer or cast director, so, yeah, you either go into something, it springboards something uh, straight away, or there is a time of a year or two. I mean, Julie, hasn't noticed what you were talking before, she did lots of theatre when she left mm. and then did fantastic, you know, she did some wonderful theatre... So, and I did some theatre actually with one of the writers from Coronation Street straight after. Uh, so it is quite, quite a nice thing to change gear for yourself, especially if you've been doing a medium like soap or something. It's nice to change gear and do theatre, you know, to have both really. Mm. I guess it might get you indoors because you're more recognised for a while because it, it just seems different for everybody, different people, to be honest. Mm. Uh, another part of a business you have, actively helps to address is gender representation and you directed a short film oh that's right yeah yeah i'd love to know a bit about that project and what your approach to that was like is it the first piece of directing you've done and obviously it's a really important message so uh well I, directing might be a bit of an overstatement i pointed a camera <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but we're very lucky in the fact yes it's a campaign era 50 50 where we're still unfortunately looking at two to one men versus women on on screen and representation in theater so uh we basically wrote a letter saying guys does it to be want to meet and talk about it and uh to be honest it went quite viral really and a lot of actresses turned up and uh, we said, well, what are we going to do about it? You know, can we, uh, because literally, you know, we are 51% of the public, so we pay taxes. And so, therefore, the BBC is funded by, obviously, the, uh, the taxpayers. So we kind of have a right to be represented, you mm. know. So mm. 
that's how it started. What I thought naively, we all thought, we sort of just, oh, we'll have a look at all the data, we'll look it up. And weirdly enough, a lot of the data came from America. Gina Davis has an institute for gender science there. Mm. But there was nothing in this country, really. You know, there wasn't any sort of um, information as to how many women versus men. We had to do it ourselves, literally scroll through IMDb, mm. go through cast lists and things like that to get to the theatres. The um, stats were horrific, really. Mm. You know, um, um, along writers, directors, representation in, uh, behind the camera as well. So we just thought, well, we just, um, and we're very lucky in the fact that, um, you know, usually if you've got a campaign, it's hard to get someone to, to, to front it. But we are active, so there were there were hundreds of people who could yeah. front it, you know, duly yeah. being one of them, you know, and... Yeah. Um, so there were the, we had untold famous people, which was just fantastic. And what we did, we sort of got all the stats that we'd got together. And actually, the young poet laureate at the time very kindly made it into a poem. Everybody had a line. Uh, we put it together into a sort of a little three-minute film. Uh, Olivia Coleman, amazing people in Jim yeah. Nesbitt. Uh, and we made sure as well, very important, that diversity and we get as many men as as women on that film because it's not just a female problem it's you know a lot of the 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 male actors want to get involved and say yeah Mm -hmm. isn't right because they've got daughters they've got wives they've got you know and they can see the whole um you know feminists if you can't see it you can't be it you know we're all in it together really so it was very important for me to get 50 percent representation in the film of men Mm. and women I'd like to think that the bill became a good platform for gender balance. You know, certainly in the early days, there were a lot more male characters. But by the time you were in the show, it was a good 50-50 split, wasn't it? You know, you, you, you... I would say the bill is fantastic. Soaps are brilliant. Yeah. In fact, you know, it's an incredibly matriarch show. It always has been Coronation Street. Mm. But, you know, on those wonderful female characters. So, you know, there is progress going on especially you know getting more directors and writers but but it's producers it's the gatekeepers that need like anything you know politics Mm. as well you know we need to have a fair split and when did you first get the acting bug how did it begin for you you know I always wanted to be I can't believe it I could look at my kids now and go I can't I don't understand how you don't know what you want to be because (laughs) I think I was about 10 or something like that, or 10-11 when I saw Meryl Streep on telly, and I thought, I'm going to do that. (laughs) I I, I wrote her name all over my wall, Meryl Streep, and I remember thinking, what a strange spelling name, Meryl Streep, Meryl Streep. But I'd never seen a play. (laughs) Wow. My parents were both nurses. Nobody in my family had seen a play. So when I was about 14, I got a job at Bolton Octagon as a usher for free. So I got my bus fare and, and I watched plays. Wow. And then I auditioned for an Amsterdamatics one and met Julie Edward oh. And we went to college when we were 16 in Accrington and uh, had the most fantastic tutor there who literally got about eight or nine of us into drama schools, which was unheard of at the time. Mm. And we were very lucky because we got grants, of course, which, and I say of course, because now we didn't realise how fortunate we were because in None of us could have gone, you know, without right. that grant. And that's not available to children anymore, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And then um, and then went to Lambda with Julie. 
Wow. And we we spent three years there and have been very, very lucky, Oliver. I mean, I can't say I've worked all the time. I've not. I've had a very, I'd say, a typical actor's life. I've had times of unemployment. But mainly in 30 years, I've I've made a living out of it, which I consider mm. a success, to be honest. Oh, yeah. As an outsider, I, I look at your resume and think, wow, you've got, you've got a CV most actors would would probably commit crimes Kathy Bradford would have done to get it. Yeah. I mean, you were no stranger to the bill when you played Kathy because you'd done a couple of guest parts yourself earlier in That's your That's true. I forgot career. about that. I did. Yeah. I played a couple. Of, I had a real run of playing prostitutes. So <laughs> <laughs> Lawyers and prostitutes and police women. I think I think I had a, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, yeah, a run of that. I think I must have played a couple of prostitutes. Andrea Mason walks in to find you in bed with Billy Murray, I think, in your... Uh, oh, first... I see. That's why I've uh... <laughs> <laughs> wiped that from my memory. <laughs> a lot of the regulars from your era had played guest parts on the bill before, so I wonder whether the casting guys were had a, had a cheeky little dossier where they thought, well... She'd be good later on. Let's keep her up our sleeve. You know what? I think they probably did. I think you're absolutely right. I think they actually did. I think they did have a little, um, all right, you know, maybe you're right, you don't get them in for a regular because, yeah, you're right. They did, you know, you, you used to go in for a little part and then you'd be called in for a regular if they, yeah. if they liked you, which is lovely, isn't it? But we, I mean, the bill, I cannot, I loved the bill. And I, mm. I think I was gutted when it was cancelled because, it was something you could watch with your children and the, the people, the um, audience that came up to me, the fans, they said, oh, it's brilliant. We all sit down as a family, yeah. you know, and watch it. And it, it had appeal for, for almost every age group, really. Yeah. And it was just such a shame. It left such a hole, I think, for people when it when it went. I started watching it when I was 10 with my mum and dad. And, and to me, it was the most exciting thing on television. It was, it was, it just completely, I think when I look back actually encouraged me and inspired me to actually want to be part of the business because it was just, it's the only way I can describe it. It was so exciting to sit down and watch the bill. So had you seen much of the bill when you were growing up? Was it a show that was on your radar and, and did you ever think, Oh, you know, in the same way you'd have loved to have been in Corrie. Did you ever think, Oh, I wouldn't mind being a, a character in the Do you bill. know what? I got, I'd, I'd like to say yes, but no, not really. I think I sort of, I think I saw it as a bit of a southern thing. Thinking right. about it, yeah. uh, what I don't know whether it was. You know, we were very definitely Corey. That's why we watch at seven thirty, <laughs> and then I'd probably bugger off somewhere. I don't know, but I think it was a great employer of young actors. Yeah. It always gave people great roles. When you came out of drama school or you're a young actor, you'd have these fantastic roles to do, mm. and it was always gave people a chance you know, rather than having two or three lines in something, you know, some trendy thing, it'd it, it give you a real meaty part. And that was the joy of playing a regular, actually, on it. Mm. You used to get these young actors or even older actors, incredible actors, coming in and you'd be just, your job would be easy as a regular because you'd just be sitting there going, and that energy, that, you know, that talent coming in all the time through the doors was just um, it magical. Yeah. Well, they certainly gave you a meaty role with Kathy. Yeah, I was very lucky. Oh, and that, those roles don't come up very often now, is it? When you can't wait to get a script, you know, and you go, <laughs> oh, what have they written now? What, yeah. they, what is she going to do now? Well, Gina <laughs> was the same, really. What are they going to do with them now? <laughs> How much of Kathy's storyline was explained to you at the beginning? That cr- 
crazy journey she goes on. None of it was planned at the start. Wow. Isn't that fun? None of it. It was, um, she was a runner. There wasn't really that much. They sort of, and then I think I did a scene when I threatened someone and I can't remember what, and it was nothing to do with the, but the, uh, Munchers or anything like that, and I mm. sort of um, I must have held it, held gaze, and it must have. And I think at the time the producer went to a party and heard someone had mentioned Munchers and things, said oh, we should do it, and I think this is how it came. Uh, said oh yes, I think there is a character we could do it with, Paul Marcus, and he he ran with it, and he absolutely <laughs> more than ran with it. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, pushed it as far as it could go, which was wonderful to play. So I think it was quite. It, organic. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't written like that at all wow. when I went. Paul's era of the bill. It's. It's. It was a real time of transformation for the show. And you know, you you were joining at a time where some of the very established legends of the show were being killed off. And what was the atmosphere like when you joined? Were you aware of the kind of the fact that the show was transforming? You know, and 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 changing gears. Probably it takes a while to to get to know you know, the, the temperature of, of somewhere. And mm. it was, um, so I suppose I came in with a new regime. Thought. It's the nature of soap and it's the nature of long running series that things have to change and it's not comfortable. We don't like change. None of us do we, we don't like mm. it as being in it, but I think unfortunately it's the nature of, yeah. of, of the business that, that has to happen because I wasn't in it before that. And, 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 and part of that transition, I guess, I didn't, it wasn't as marked for me. Mm. It's not an easy profession, really. You know, it's it's not a comfortable, you know, you're only as good as the pro. I mean, Coronation Street is the program. You know, it's mm. not the individuals in it. Nobody's bigger than the program. Nobody's bigger than the bill, really. Mm. So I suppose uh, it's quite brutal in that sense, you know, and it's um, that's one of the hard things for us as actors. And you are a storyline in the end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're lucky to get a fantastic storyline if you are that you know what I mean and, yeah. and then you grab hold of it with both hands and 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 run with it yeah take us back to Merton describe a day in the life of making an episode of the bill from your perspective which it must have been a very exciting time in your life yes it was before kids it, there were four episodes running at the same time so so the real heroes in that are the scheduling people yeah. I mean and actually, later on, I worked for someone in Coronation Street was it, in scheduling that I met in scheduling. It, it's uh, an extraordinary job because I don't know how they do it, you know, sort of crossovers and everything like that. Because there were sometimes four unit buses going out um, <laughs> on the bill. And, and, you know, it was a madness but because everybody was so hardworking and good and professional at their job. Uh, and it's the same on, on, on Coronation Street. The crew is... I think extraordinary because mm. they're doing it day in, day out, and and to come up with a stand that standard is 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 amazing. You know, we swan in and out as actors. You know, sometimes you work hard, but sometimes you're only in for a scene. But I mean, the crew are there morning till night. You know, yeah. and the scheduling and things like that. It's the stuff that that makes the engine work. You know, mm. it was incredibly exciting. And as I say, you'd have these injections of brilliant actors coming in you know you'd sort of go oh my god that person's coming into play that person's coming into play this you know and then this you get this energy outside energy because sometimes it can be a little bit 
you know, you're not in the real world. You're sort mm. of in this building in Merton or in, in Media City. So to get an injection of people from outside is, is very healthy, I think. And what I love, and I, I've heard you say the same about Sally Dinover in uh, Coronation Street, but she's still so passionate about it. And I, it looks like it was the same. You know, you're working with the likes of Mark Wingett and Trudy Goodwin, who are still on top of their game. Oh, Sally was my Trudy and Trudy was my, you know, Trudy yeah. is the same. She's, in fact, I saw her last night, weirdly enough. We were, oh. went to Ian McKellen's first night, of oh, it, which wow. is extraordinary. 80 years old, two and a half hours and one month show. Anyway, but I saw Trudy, <laughs> but I'm still in touch with uh, Trudy. Yeah. And Sally's the same, still passionate, still, ah, oh, frighteningly talented, both of them. Yes. Beautiful and uh, generous and yeah, if you want, to, if you you go into a show like that, you want to be with someone like Sally Dinover and Trudy because mm. uh, they're absolute ultimate class. Yeah, both of them. She's phenomenal. But you all were, you know, when you when you watch, it's been an absolute pleasure watching the repeats of your run of the bill because I I think they still. I mean, this, the the episode where it it just changes gear for for Kathy when, when you push the character Tanya Kane down the staircase. And you spend the whole following episode trying to cover your tracks. That's a movie. It's a movie on on, on ITV in two thousand. You know, I think I don't think there's any dialogue for the first twenty minutes, and I think that happened to Paul Marcus. I think the same thing happened. So that's where the story. But I think that was it was incredible. Actually, it was quite a dangerous thing. Yes, it was just action for twenty minutes, wasn't it? I yeah. don't think there was any dialogue at all. And I remember getting these scripts, and in fact, my last episode, I think, it was just a two hander for an hour. Which was, again, very dangerous, really. You know, very um, a huge compliment, I think. You know, mm. and it, it was, um, I think the, the writing on the bill, Coronation Street, these totes, is, 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 is writers at the top of their game, isn't it? Yeah. You know, well, especially Coronation Street. I mean, it's, yeah, those guys are writing novels. I mean, mm. you know, Jonathan Harvey's got played on here and they're writing, he's a novelist and, yeah, loads of the writers have got, you know, multitasking and the the top writers in the country. Yeah. I mean, so many, like, filmmakers who cut their teeth directing The Bill over the years. And Do you think The Bill could come back? There's obviously the appetite from the fans for it to come back. Oh, wouldn't that be brilliant, Oliver? Yeah, wouldn't would, that? Would. You see, we are lacking that eight o'clock slot. Yeah. I think we still are. You know, it's sort of... And that's what it had, the eight till nine... Uh, slot. I mean, to be honest, I didn't like it when it went to nine o'clock because I didn't think it had the budget or the time to compete with the programmes at nine o'clock. It wasn't mm. fair, for, you know. Mm. I think the eight o'clock slot with a younger audience as well was a perfect slot for it. So that eight o'clock to nine slot is, God, it's begging for it to come back, isn't it? Yeah. I mean... <laughs> what should we do? <laughs> ITV. Crazy. People forget that, you know, the year before the bill was axed, it won the BAFTA for best TV drama. Did it's it? like how mm. how how did how did that happen? You know, it's it just seems mm. like such a crazy, especially now in the world in this age of. I mean, you must notice the difference on Twitter now with people engaging with Corey and with you know they're able to engage directly with you with storylines for Gina. I mean, imagine if that had been there when the bill was on and Kathy was. <laughs> Causing yes, havoc, oh know. my god, on a death threat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you ever have anyone confuse 
reality and fiction? Did anyone oh, ever... Oh, I had someone, oh, it's funny, yes. I think I went for some shoes in a shop once and a woman just like, looked at me, screamed and ran off. <laughs> the woman, you know, I asked her for a pair of shoes, she screamed and ran off. That was the worst one I had, I think. Yeah, which was brilliant. And she didn't come out. She wouldn't come out and see me. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Today we're celebrating you, your talent, and I mean you're marvelous as Kathy and marvelous as Gina. Is there is there a dream project you haven't done yet that you would love to do? Is there another character that you would love to define your career? Well, Shakespeare. I haven't done a professional Shakespeare since I was in drama school, and that's probably what I would. I'm doing actually panto over the and it, weirdly weirdly enough when I was at it. Ian McKinnon thing last night he was talking about Panto and he did Panto for the first time or whatever and saying what an institution it is, it's a typically yeah. English, nowhere nowhere else in the world do they have that, we invented it you know, mm. and what an incredible medium it is and um, I've never done that so that's going to be an oh, adventure wow. and a challenge What part are you playing? I'm playing the fairy godmother I love it <laughs> And it's weird because I sort of thought, and I went and, and had the sort of photos taken the other day, and they all got about 100 pantos between them. And I thought, oh, I'm, I'm in the presence of real professionals oh. here, you know. And I thought, I better learn. And it's, it's weird because Ian McKellen was talking about last night. He said he felt exactly the same. It's sort of almost like stand-up. He said it's a new sort of a skill you've got to learn. Yeah. So I think... Um, I was much heartened by the fact that he'd gone to get advice from people. So I think I'm going to do <laughs> that and uh, lean on them. And so, so yes, that would be. Uh, and I'd also love to play Hamlet's mother, Gertrude. That oh, is my ambition. Yeah. yeah. Yes, that is my ambition. I think I'm a bit old for Lady Macbeth. No, I'm not too old for Lady Macbeth. No I'm way. No way. No. So all those Lady Macbeth, Gertrude, yes, those wow. wonderful you know Shakespearean role so yeah. the fans will be absolutely delighted as am I and I'm so grateful to you for sharing your memories today and something we like to do is to support a charity of the interviewee's choice so is there a charity you'd like to nominate that, that the fans can you know support and donate a couple of quid to amazing the national youth theater would be good great uh, i mentor at the national youth theater and there are lots of children who would not ordinarily be able to go on uh, into the national youth theater so that would help some children from disadvantaged backgrounds to uh, get it get a little bit of a training at the nyt that's a brilliant cause i shall pop a link when it goes oh, live thank you thank you that's lovely thank you oliver oh well, thank you Connie. and what's your sort of uh your final message oh. to fans of the bill fans of kathy fans of you you know oh. <laughs> well she's not dead <laughs> so <laughs> be careful how you sleep <laughs> Huge thanks to the wonderful Connie Hyde for very kindly sharing her memories. What a what a lovely lady and a fantastic actor. 
a way we can say thank you is supporting the National Youth Theatre. So if you check out nyt.org.uk, they are supporting the next generation of fantastic actors and you can find out more and make a donation should you wish. I'd also like to say a big thank you to the Bill Podcast patrons of the Patreon channel. It's thanks to them you're currently listening to me record this outro on a second microphone. I now have two microphones so that when I'm lucky enough to be meeting Sunhill Legends in person, they can have a microphone, I can have a microphone, and we can sit and chat in a more relaxed way because normally we huddle around one microphone and... uh, I'm sure they'd much rather sit a, you know, healthy distance away from me when we chat. So that's the idea. So we can hopefully improve the audio quality of the Bill podcast moving forward and take things to the next level. So huge thanks to them. You'll hear from a Sunhill legend shortly to read out the Inspector and Chief Super patrons who are the co-producers and executive producers of the Bill podcast. If you'd like to get involved, you can visit patreon.com forward slash the Bill podcast, where the rewards include early access to future podcasts, exclusive audio commentaries with cast and crew, and even reaction videos with me as I watch episodes for the first time and give my thoughts. And then we've been having some fantastic conversations on the Patreon channel. Some of you legends really know your stuff about the bill and have been teaching me a thing or two. So if you'd like to join in the conversation, please do so at patreon.com forward slash the bill podcast and you'd be most welcome. In the meantime, thanks again for listening, and I'll pass you over now to another Sunhill legend. Hello, this is Chris Humphreys. Or is it? Could it be that you have actually intercepted a top-secret recording being made by Richard Turnham, the head of Special Branch? I'm still waiting for my spin-off show. You have been listening to The Bill Podcast, brought to you in association with Misty Moon Events. With special thanks to Connie Hyde, produced and presented by Oliver Crocker, co-produced by Paul Dunn and Alex Mockler, executive produced by Joseph Beaver, Daniel Christopher, Luke Hegarty, Benjamin Hughes, Robert Jennings, Edward Kellett, Stuart and Jen Morris, Justin Pitt, Tom Sherrington, and Sarah Went. Out now in the UK is my new fantasy novel, Smoke in the Glass, the first in an epic trilogy that The Guardian has called an intricate, fast-paced story and impressive world-building. Smoke in the Glass is available on Amazon and from all good bookstores. You can also find out more on my website, cchumphreys.com. <laughs>